It's time for a legendary introduction. Welcome to Unpacking the Box. I really think nobody does it better. Join the conversation as we cover everything from life and relationships. All a woman wants is a choice. Inspiring interviews. That just hit me. Wow. And everything in between. Just keeping it real. We keeping it all the way real. Whoa. Now let's start unpacking. This is Linnea, your host, and welcome back to Unpacking the Box podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, here with Morgan, who is a board-certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner with a passion for teaching others. She is a boss out here building other bosses, y'all. Hello, Queen. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, of course. I'm happy to talk to you. I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to share the space with, you know, my beautiful queens. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into, you know, why we're here, where are you from? So I am from Baltimore, Maryland, born and raised. Me too. Oh, I can hear it in the two. We have a distinct two. Yes, you do too. I was about to say, when I first heard, like when I was listening to some of your videos, I was like, oh yeah, she's from Baltimore. I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the accent for me. Hey, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so how was it for you, like, in, in Baltimore, growing up in Baltimore? So, um, I grew up in um, in Pikesville, which is technically Baltimore County. Um, mm -hmm. So, growing up in Baltimore, um, you know, I, my parents were very intentional with the experiences that they exposed me to. Like, I didn't grow up with, with just, you know, Black other black children um, I grew up with a multitude of different races around me and I think that that really shaped who I was as an adult um, and why diversity is important to me I'm making space for other women especially other black women um, and other marginalized people is just so important to me even as an adult Yes. So, and let's talk about that too. Like your work, the work that you do, like what sparked your interest in this line of work? So I got into, um, I got into psych straight out of um, nursing school. Basically I went to the ED, hated it. And I was there for, I think maybe like it was less than, than three months. I can't remember exactly how long I was because I graduated in 2013. Mm -hmm. um, but I was always like kind of intrigued by psych. Um, I, when I first started working, I started working in forensic psychiatry, which is basically when you get people who are court ordered to be in um, mental treatment mm -hmm. and mental health treatment. So um, it was a very interesting experience because we had patients that were truly, truly very sick. Um, any kind of diagnosis you would see there. We had anything from people who had um, committed sex crimes to people who had murdered other people. 
So it was definitely um, an eye-opening experience. Eye-opening experience. I really did enjoy my time there, though. Um, mm-hmm. And I even went and did forensic psych at another facility. Um, and I just, I kept, I kept going back to psych. Like I even went to the OR one time, and I was like, ah, this ain't for me. This isn't my jam. <laughs> and then went back to psych. So um, by twenty. 20- I think it was 2016, um, I was working with my charge nurse at the time and I had no idea that he was in a psych MP program. So he pulled me into um, his, well, it was at this point, it was a treatment room and asked me if he could do a physical assessment on me. I'm like, what? And then he told me, you know, Shh, I don't want people knowing, you know, I'm in psych MP school and we were at an institution that was really like physician led. So. Um, some people didn't even like the idea of us being able to treat psychiatric patients. So that's how I found out about it. And then, you know, a couple of years later in 2017, late in 2017, I decided to apply for the program. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I went to school and I finished in 2020. That's how I got in it. Yes, I love that. So, you know, for those who don't really know or understand, like what what does that job entail as a psychiatric nurse practitioner? Like, can you break down what you do? Mm -hmm. So basically what we do, um, a psychiatric nurse practitioner, um, our job looks different in different states. Um, I'll start with that. So in a state like Maryland, that's full practice authority, I can do everything that a psychiatrist would do except some legal proceedings that might take place in inpatient um, psychiatric units. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I can do everything that a, that a physician would do. I can diagnose, um, I can prescribe medications for mental illnesses, and um, I can treat mental illnesses. So, and we also can do therapy, which is an interesting thing to talk about, but most, most um, psych MPs don't actually do therapy. Mm-hmm. We do medication management because it's more profitable to both us and whoever we're working for. So how we're different from like other specialties like family medicine um and like pediatrics is that we only deal with mental health so like sometimes i might have a patient that comes to me and they're like but can you just you know refill my albuterol and and my metoprolol and i'm like i can't because (laughs) i'm a psychic p and i have to explain to them you know that i can only treat and, um, and prescribe for mental health disorders. And if I was to prescribe something that was not for um, a mental health disorder, that it could, it could potentially jeopardize um, me being able to practice, I could be sued. Mm-hmm. I could um, be brought before the Board of Nursing. So it, it really is different from state to state. Um, we, we base our practice off of something called the scope of practice. So it can be different um, state to state. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. What you do sounds very interesting. Now, you're welcome. Now, I know you talk about, um, you know, mental health and that's your area. But Mm -hmm. since, you know, like during the pandemic, were you called to like help on the front lines at all? But like, were you able to go to like a hospital if they were to call you? Okay. I want to be real clear. Ain't nobody calling me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we like no one really calls anyone to go to the front lines um we signed so what i did there was um there was 
a business called Crucial Staffing. A lot of people have heard of them. Um, I used Crucial Staffing and other staffing agencies to list my name and that I would be interested. And once I got contract details, once I got paid details, um, and kind of details about what I would be expected to do, then I signed up. But even um, even if you volunteer in like a state of emergency, mm-hmm. what people fail to realize is that you can still be sued or be brought before the board if you're practicing outside of your scope. Mm, so okay. there, with, with COVID, if I was to be intubating patients, which is like when you put the plastic tube down their mouth, Mm-hmm. to hook them up to the event. If I was to do something like that, I could definitely be sued because I've never been trained to do it. I mm-hmm. have no idea how to do it. Right. And it's like, it, there could be like very unsafe ramifications if I was to do that. So okay. when when we're called to help, we can definitely help, but everybody has a way and a scope that they can practice and it's safe for the patient and safe for ourselves. Okay, because I always wonder about that, especially with the pandemic and, you know, everybody was, you know, the hospitals were like overcrowded. And I just wondered how that worked with like nurses that are in other areas, you know, do they all just go like, hey, we need you come here, you know, it was like a thing where you got, get, you know, privileges and stuff like that. So I always wondered about that. So nurse practitioners and physicians do technically need privileges, mm-hmm. but nurses, they don't have a privilege process. It's basically just um, credentialing them um, just to make sure that they have licenses that are active and they don't have any restrictions on their license. Now, when the pandemic hit, they were saying they don't care if you even have, a, um, what were they calling it? an expired license they were still even taking those as long as you had a license in any of the united states they were taking you um i'm not sure if we'll get to that with the delta variant but it definitely has happened in the past okay so did you so what so did so did you actually end up going um to hide though i did i went to new york from march to may And then I was actually in Texas. I only went for one week because I had a family health issue Mm -hmm. in June. And then in January to February, actually, no, it was December to February. I worked in Houston, Texas. Okay. And then what was your experience like? Well, I, I did like the, the individuals I worked with in New York. I think everyone was great everyone really kind of banded together to help out. Mm-hmm. It's just the culture of the organization that I work with that to me was very sad how they treated their patients. Um, mm, okay. But other than that, I really did like my time there. As far as, as Texas, I think that for me, it was just very eye-opening to see what nursing is like. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um in places that don't have ratios and Houston, Houston was unsafe. Um, Houston was unsafe. A lot of times Um, there, there were times that they would give you 16 patients to one nurse. It was, it was just unsafe. And I've never, yeah, I've worked, I've worked since 20, 2013 as a nurse and I've never seen ratios that high ever in my life. So yeah, would, would not, would not do it again. 
right? I mean, it sounds like it. That's wild. I, I know, I know, it was crazy then. So it's just interesting to hear people that actually were upfront, you know, with it and had to face that. Uh, but that's, I think, it's an amazing job to be a nurse. It takes an amazing person to to hold that that position, you know. Yeah, it definitely does. It takes so much. Yes. So I know that you out here helping nurses live their best nurse lives. So, mm-hmm. you know, and why getting money? First of all, let me just tell you. So I I never wanted to be a nurse. My mom actually mentioned it to me early on. She was like, well, why don't you be a nurse? Because I had worked in healthcare for a while, but I wasn't like a nurse or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. So but just looking at your page, I mean, and someone... And I know you said a lot of people that aren't in nursing follow you, but it, it is so attractive. The stuff that you do and the stuff that you post and the information that you give is so it's such a wealth of knowledge. And it just makes the the position look very attractive. And like, I'm interested, like, I want to read more about this, right? I'm like, OK, because this out here doing the damn thing and you just make it look so good. Right. So so tell me how you are helping, you know, these nurses. Uh, so. Um, when I became a nurse, I feel like my first two years, I really was a broke nurse. I didn't know how to manage money, even though the first place that I worked had resources of where they would sit down and teach you how to manage your money, how to, you know, how to choose different investment accounts, things like that. Mm -hmm. And it didn't really click to me until I started working and I did a strike contract when I was making $7,000 per week. And I said, I do not understand how I am still so broke, Mm -hmm. even with making this kind of money. And what I had to realize then and what I still, you know, hold on to and I recognize now is that if you do not know how to manage $50,000, you're not going to know how to manage $500,000. You know, money management is something you have to learn very early on. And a lot of these things that that I've learned have been trial and error. So a lot of the things that I teach other nurses, I've been through it myself. That's why I know. Mm -hmm. So after after eight years in the field and kind of doing all the mistakes and I finally got it right, I can, you know, coach people on how to get to their next level. Mm hmm. I love that. And then also see what I'm what I'm just learning about. I didn't know about um, travel nurses like mm-hmm. and, then, and when I think about travel nurses, I know so many people were just thinking like, OK, well, this ner- the nurse just picks up and go this place and that place. But what mm-hmm. all, you know, does that entail? And like, what are the benefits and the perks of being a travel nurse? So there's a lot of benefits and perks. But first, I'm going to say this. Um, because a lot of people think that you can be a travel nurse as a new grad and you cannot mm-hmm. being a travel nurse literally there you have to wonder my mom always told me if it looks like a duck you quack like a duck athlete so if something is super high paying there's a reason why and it's not just so you can come there and, and show your pretty face we are getting high pay because we're we're being thrown into brand new environments some of us have only had orientation for six hours or less mm-hmm. and then we are on our own and i think that new grads especially like today's new grads because they don't have um some of them are not in clinical so they're not going to the hospital like 
they like they used to before COVID and they don't have the hands on time with with professors and you know with people who are already in nursing to ask these questions but any any nurse who has practiced will tell you that they do not hire travel nurses when they're new grads and any agency that does it is probably really shady um but the perks that i've enjoyed while i've been doing travel nursing is just being able to connect with new people to be able to have um semi-paid vacations to see my friends and like travel nursing has really opened up a lot for me uh my my current um circle group we actually met while working in LA so we all used to work in LA in 2016 we linked up we did an event and we just kept in contact after that and we we've just blossomed a beautiful friendship so I I just think that had I not taken this assignment I probably would have never known them Mm -hmm. so I think that travel nursing is definitely going to be a game changer if you want to save money or make more money Um, because especially if you go to like the rural areas, you can really clean up well, but it also like, it sharpens your critical thinking skills because you're thrown in a new environment. And sometimes you don't even know where the crash uh, cart is, but nursing is nursing regardless of where you go. Like if you know how to be a nurse, that's why that, that first one or two years, um, of experience is going to be key because once you know how to be a nurse and you, you know, you've gone through a rigorous training and you're on your own, you're able to be a nurse regardless of where you are. They could plop you in the middle of the desert in the Sahara and you want to be like, okay, I need X, Y, and Z. So. <laughs> yes, I love it. So, and then for those who may be interested in becoming a nurse, travel nurse mm-hmm. practitioner, all that good stuff, like where do you, where do you start? Like what's the process? So first of all, I gotta plug myself in. I have I have a book <laughs> me and my partner wrote called um, "So You Want to Be a Nurse," and it is a blueprint or success for the person who's interested in becoming a nurse, all the way up to the person who is interested in becoming a nurse practitioner. It's over sixty three pages, so <laughs> like we literally included everything. We even have a travel nurse section, so it's super super comprehensive. Um, So what I would tell someone who is looking at becoming a nurse or even a nurse practitioner is to possibly see, number one, what your end goal would be. So if your end goal is to work, for example, in the OR, nurse practitioner might be might not be the option for you, depending on what your role is. You might want to be a nurse anesthetist, which is a CRNA. Or you might want to actually be a PA because there's a lot of um, PAs that work in surgery. So I would say figure out your end goal now to try to save you money down the line um, because those those mistakes can cost you. And it's okay to start school and just do a general, you know, general studies for the first year, you know, because you're just getting basically the prereqs now. So I would say, you know, just start, but also think of where you want to finish. Okay. Y'all better grab that book. And you said it's an ebook, right? Yes, it is an ebook. Yes, y'all better grab that book. And if you give me like all the information, the link and stuff, I'll put that in the show notes too so they can connect there. Okay, cool. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Um, so what has been your most memorable travel experience thus far and why? Because I see you over there traveling, girl. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, ooh, um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. Oh, you know what? I know. My first travel assignment ever in 2014. Mm-hmm. I, I, and this is exactly why I say, you know, one year is good, but sometimes two years is better to be able to possibly see different things. Mm-hmm. I had a patient who has something called delirium, um, delirium tremors. So basically when you have um, patients who are in a certain level of alcohol withdrawal, they start doing things like having hallucinations. Um, they're typically just not safe to be on a regular psych unit. Typically they would be in an intensive care setting and they would be um, receiving a, a medication called Ativan, which prevents the abrupt withdrawal um, they would be receiving that IV. So in psych, it's very rare that we have IVs um, mm-hmm. because again, you know, self-harm risk, it would have to be a set. And it's just, it just doesn't meet criteria for most most places. We just usually don't have um, IVs. So I had a patient and they had initially diagnosed her. I guess the person who saw her, the physician who saw her downstairs, diagnosed her with, Um, some type of psychotic disorder by Mm -hmm. the time she came up to the floor I knew I knew it was DTs so we call them DTs Um, I absolutely knew it was DTs I called the physician who was on call every hour I'm quite sure he reported me for harassment but that's just fine (laughs) Um, because the patient like when I tell you like literally like climbing up the walls that's Mm -hmm. literally what it looked like I was like, you need to transport her now. She needs to go to an ICU setting. Like this is completely unsafe. And sure enough, like I had, I kept calling the house supervisor. I kept calling the physician and I, I threatened. I said, I am going to leave and go home because I do not want to be a part of this. Do you have someone else that can take report and take this assignment? And I think at that point they realized, oh, maybe we should, you know, get the physician from downstairs to come up and take another look. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, they transferred the patient off the unit and, and took them to an ICU, <laughs> like I said. OMG, oh get this. Wow. So yeah, that sounds like that's definitely something that you wouldn't forget. <laughs> right. I, I, I have never forgotten that patient or, or what happened to this day. Oh my goodness. All right. So when you are not busy, what do you like to do for fun? How do you unwind? I love going on vacation. Um, I haven't really. So usually we have a a big, um, a big annual girls trip plus Mm -hmm. two guys who hang out with us. And for in June, we actually went to Tanzania. We went to Kenya and some of us had a layover in Qatar, but it was a wonderful trip. We were supposed to do Seychelles too, but we didn't have time to do it. Mm. So let me ask you, for were you where were you when you were on? Because I was looking at the pictures that you were with the giraffes. Like I've seen that before, like where the giraffes are eating the food and people take pictures with them. Where were you then? Mm-hmm. That was Giraffe Manor. Okay, where is that? It's in um, it's in Kenya, in Nairobi. In Kenya, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, that looks like, like the best, like experience that you could ever have. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was actually, um, I wish I would have been able to actually enjoy it for a minute, 
Um, we so the airline that we flew on the way to Kenya, they had a mechanical issue when I left Baltimore. So mm. I couldn't I couldn't leave on my BWI flight and it would have forced me to miss all the connections. So oh, wow. I actually arrived two days late to Kenya. I was so pissed. But mm. I mean it is what it it it, it happened. It it was what it was, but I yeah. was so sad because it's a, it's a really really expensive hotel, but at least I got to experience the breakfast. But I missed the um, all the activities from the day before. Oh wow! Well, you know, for what it's worth, it looked like it was pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yes. So, what is one fun fact that people will be surprised to know about you? Hmm. I think people will be very surprised to know that I have ADHD. Okay. So part of my why of being a mental health practitioner was to be able to be a black woman in this space because there is such a stigma in our community about mental health and taking medications. And I think that especially when you have ADHD, people just expect you to number one, be completely scatterbrained. Mm-hmm. And they expect you to not be able to hold a good conversation, to have a conversation that follows. And more so, we don't we don't sometimes respect people when they're on medication. So I think that those factors were kind of my why um, for pushing through while I was in my program. Right. And just knowing that you have that. Uh, and first of all, thank you for your transparency because it's probably some people that are listening that may have that and they have they don't talk about it. So that's oh. inspiring and very impactful. And then also to all the things that you're you're able to accomplish and have accomplished is mm-hmm. inspiring and that's amazing. Yeah, I, I actually was I think the best when I actually was on medication. So I started taking my medication. Um, about two years ago and I can definitely see a difference in me as a person me as a provider even me as a friend Mm -hmm. Um, one of my friends just said you know I've really seen such a growth and such a change in you in the last 18 months and I'm like yeah it's because I'm on my medication sis (laughs) (laughs) hey and that's all right (laughs) yeah but but thank you but thank you girl I appreciate you you seeing it (laughs) yes yes listen and that's another thing too like people like you said you know people especially in our community you know they they just dismiss these things you know so and we gotta address it we gotta deal with it so i appreciate you for all that you do for sure yes you You are so welcome so what is your all-time favorite movie do you have a favorite movie favorite book hmm wow my favorite book honestly i'm such a nerd is the harry potter series okay Um, i've i'm i've looked like it's it's so the reason I love Harry Potter, I just got to give a backstory. Me and my dad um, are close, but we were extremely co- close when I was a kid. And I just always remember him taking me to all the Harry Potter launches at Barnes and Nobles. And it was just so special for us to spend together. And I just, I always love the idea and the possibility of magic and that hopefulness and that innocence. So I just, I love the Harry Potter series. Um, it's 
it's been my everything since childhood. As far as movies, hmm, that's a really good question. You know, I don't. I know it's so many, right? <laughs> I know. Oh my god, that's such a good a good one. Um. I'm gonna tell you what my what my favorite movie right now is because there ain't too many movies out. Um, Just Mercy. Okay. With with Michael B. Jordan, I really like movies that are almost sometimes difficult to watch mm-hmm. um, because it reminds me of where where not only I come from but where we came from. Yes. So yeah. I really like I, I like movies like that um, because it kind of just it just keeps pushing me. It keeps pushing me. Yes, I love them too. I have not seen that one. I want to. I know what you're talking about, though, but I never watched it, but I want to. But um, I'm the same. I love to watch those movies. Yeah, it, it was a really heavy movie. That's what I can't say. It was just, it was it was super heavy. Every time I watch it, I cry every single time. I have to check that out because I've been wanting to watch it. I don't, I don't even know why I haven't, but I'm definitely going to check that out because everybody says the same. They're like, man, it's hard, but but it's necessary. Yeah. 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 So if you had the opportunity to travel back in time and you could have a conversation with anyone, who would that be and why? Mm. A conversation back in time. I would, I would probably talk to my uncle. So my uncle, part of the reason why my name is Morgan San Diego, mm-hmm. it was, it was always a, a, a joke between me and my uncle. Um, he would call me Hollywood and he always said that he saw me doing big things and he actually passed away from an opiate overdose. And I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. I I think that the conversation would just be one of support because I think that sometimes our family members and even our friends go through things and they don't even, they don't want to burden us. They don't want to tell people, you know, what demons they're fighting. And, you know, then also the piece about people just being judgmental. You know, sometimes people don't even want to confide in people because they think that people are going to judge them or look at them differently. Mm -hmm. And I think I would just, I would have a conversation with him and I would ask him if, you know, if he wanted to get into treatment and, you know, how I could support him and, and what, what he needed from me. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, so we come to the end of the show and it's something that I love to do with every guest, you know, since this is unpacking the box, I like mm-hmm. to do something called unpack your box, which is basically where you get a minute to say whatever it is you want to say, whatever's on your chest, on your heart, you can just, you know, go off. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I say that I I feel especially burdened today as a as a black woman as a black creator. I feel like there's so much going on in in the creator space and so many things that you know we're starting to talk about about being treated fairly, being tr- um, treated equally, being paid fairly, um, being paid the same as our Caucasian counterparts, which a lot of times we are not. 
And um, I think that that's just kind of in my box today is um, to be the voice for other Black creators and other Black women and other Black nurses to mm-hmm. make sure that we get everything that we deserve. Yes, I love that. And I agree 100%. I love that. So listen, Morgan, it's been fun talking to you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm, I'm so glad that we finally got to... Um, we finally got to do this. Well, not finally, but it was the perfect time because I feel like the COVID, the COVID is about to start picking up and the contract's going to get yes. crazy. So this was the perfect time that you reached out. Yes. Well, I'm so grateful that you answered that you were willing to come on the show. Yes. You know, <laughs> your work is inspiring. It's amazing. I mean, your guys, you guys have to follow her. She gives, I mean, a wealth, a plethora of just knowledge, stuff that you probably never even knew. She puts it out there. But not only that, I love how you uplift people, you encourage people, motivate people, educate people. Everything that you're doing is just so impactful. And I really mean that. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are so welcome, Queen. Tell the people where they can keep up with you and all that good stuff. Okay, so um, you can feel free to follow me. My Instagram name is at Morgan, like the school, San Diego, like the city. And I have my, well, me and my business partner's current ebook called So You Want to Be a Nurse. And it is currently out now. We have another ebook launching um, the beginning of next month called White Coat Green Bands, where we talk about um, our journey to financial independence and uh, increase of wealth and then i also have a workshop coming up next month that is centered around instagram growth and how to brand and market yourself online so i'm really excited i have quite a few projects coming up now that i think about it yes okay sis is out here booked and busy okay busy and booked (laughs) i love it (laughs) i love it Y'all make sure y'all connect with Morgan, see what she's up to. Make sure you grab that ebook. And if it's not for you, share it with your friend, your relative, or whoever. You know, we got to support each other. All right, y'all, we are out. Before you leave, keep up with your girl on Instagram at unpacking underscore the underscore box underscore podcast. You can follow me over there and click the link in my bio and it will direct you to every single thing that I am doing. And I'm doing some pretty amazing things, you guys. And listen, there's so much more in store. Grab yourself some merch because the Queen Wolf shop is open. And also, you guys, listen, if you are enjoying the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts and let me know. Give your girl a rating or write a review. You know, if you feel like it, but I feel like you should feel like it if you're enjoying the show, you know? (laughs) All right, y'all. Listen, I hope that wherever you are, you had a beautiful day. I hope your night was even better. All right, y'all. Be well.